Sylvia. I want Sylvia to come up quickly. She has a cool testimony uh, that I want her to share. Can you give her a hand? She was sharing it with me yesterday, and I was like, you have to share this. This is so amazing. Hi, so um, I work in a, in, a, in a recruiting firm, and um, we are really serious about our team, our little administrative team, um, about bringing the presence of God into that place, and we're always like looking for ways to do that. So I had a, a, new, a, a new lady who just started working for a company, and um, she sent out an email saying, hey, I really need um, a, a therapist because I hurt my shoulder really badly. And, um, and I, I felt this thing in my heart, like, oh my gosh, God, I, I want, I want to like pray for this lady. I want to, I want to see this lady healed. And that's not like a typical, typical for me in the workplace. You know, I'm really careful about that. Um, and so I said, okay, God, if you want this to happen, then you need to bring her into my office. I, I'm like, you need to bring her cause she doesn't ever walk into my office. And sure enough that day she walks into my office and She's talking about the pain, and it's, it's a physical pain, obviously, but it's also very emotional for her because um, the reason she hurt her shoulder was helping her parents during the hurricane put things away, and her son had died four years before, and she said, if my son was here, I wouldn't have hurt my shoulder. So it was really painful for her, and I said, well, can I pray for you? And she was really wise. She asked, well, what do you believe? And I said, Jesus, and that was cool with her. And I felt, and she felt the Holy Spirit before I even touched her. So, like, we know it's God, right? It's not us. We're just vessels. And um, laid hands on her, and she looked at me with the biggest, widest eyes and said, I can move. I, I can move. I can move. So, uh, praise God. <laughs> praise God. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's a bigger deal than you think it is because... You know, uh, in that environment, you don't go to preach the gospel. You don't go to, it's not a church. But God wants to use people who are open-minded to learn a new language, to have his courage. And it's not just you, it's you and it's God. Because if you didn't do it, then it wouldn't happen. So even that perspective alone, it says, if Christ was going in that office... With you, as you. This is the gospel. Good morning. Hello. (laughs) That was such a cool testimony because these types of things and so much greater. Remember he told us we're going to do what he did and greater. It's going to start like popcorn. You know, you put the bag in the the microwave and it's just a little pop here, pop here. And eventually it's just out of control. Pop, 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 pop everywhere. That just came to me, that analogy, actually. (laughs) That's really cool, right? Yeah. Our microwave broke, so no more popcorn. Uh, but anyway, so I just encourage you, like, find your language. Find your voice in God, because God is not limited to language. You don't have to use Christianese for this stuff to be effective. In fact, I challenge you to put down the Christianese for at least a year and become relevant and influence culture. I got about four hand claps on that one. It's a good start. It's not bad. God is itching to release a new language, a new sound, a new way through you. God is very creative. He's extremely creative. And the reason why these things are very important to begin to happen in the workplace is because awe and wonder um, 
It fascinates the human heart and mind. It awakens the human heart and the human mind. It causes people to sincerely reflect on the possible existence of this good God that they have most likely heard about their whole life but haven't seen him represented very well. So, you know, giving and little tiny houses and all that stuff, that's a beautiful part of what we get to do. But it's this stuff right here that we can't do, that we need to do. Because it's this stuff right here, again, that challenges mindsets. It confronts people's old paradigms where they just can't make sense of it. Does that make sense? And it, and it cultivates humility, it cultivates uh, surrender, and it cultivates intrigue, and it cultivates curiosity. Does that make sense? I just think the season of tracks is just needs to take a break with get, handing out tracks. It's just not going to work anymore, people. You know, let's put the tracks down. Let's, let's, let's lean into the disappointment that comes up when we don't see what we stepped out to do. And let's learn that, hey, maybe part of me stepping out was to realize that I had disappointment in me all the while. And God is wanting to heal me of this disappointment that is sabotaging me, causing me to have limiting beliefs where I can't believe that I'm supposed to be like Jesus everywhere I go as if it was Jesus everywhere I am. Because that's the reason I stop at times, you know, taking risks. It's the, just, I don't want to touch that anymore because it triggers disappointment that wasn't resolved. I just, I, I just need, and that's okay, I suppose. If you, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not going to pray for that. Then we justify, oh, that's not for me. That's not my gift. That's, that's for somebody else. That's, yeah, that, you know, somebody said that once to me. Healing's not really my thing. And I knew what they meant. And I said to them, if you knew that you would heal everybody 100% of the time when you prayed for them, would healing be your thing? <laughs> he was just quiet. Anyway, I don't have too much time. So check out this cool shirt. Before I show you the shirt I'm wearing, uh, and, it, and it ties in with this message, which is titled, Who Do You Think You Are? So I was listening to a message from some guy, and he was basically challenging the people as it relates to Wearing other people's brands, wearing other people's clothing, and, and, and not having a problem with that, but having a problem, this is just a, an example he was giving, and he was talking about identity, having a problem with owning yourself, wearing your own stuff, being unique, having your own voice. And there was something about this message that just provoked me. I love a good challenge. It just provoked me where I was like, wow. I'm going to start making and wearing my own t-shirts and my own clothing. Long story short, my sister, who I think might be watching, she calls me, or not calls me, she messages me through WhatsApp. Uh, she's a very, very talented artist and designer, and she's starting an online clothing business, and she wants to make some mock-up t-shirts for me and my family. Literally, after all, several months after this happened. And so... I was like, oh my gosh, so I give this idea to her, hey Tammy, her name is Tamsin, here's what I'm thinking, here's an idea, and here's an idea, and she comes back to me with this. <laughs> Come on now. It's like, only that side is excited, this side is confused, <laughs> this side is like, that's too much, bro, that's pride, like, uh-uh, woo, this guy, why, why is this guy on this stage? At the back, it says, know thyself. I'll take the jacket off in a minute because I'll get hot. It has my age and it has 
uh, West Palm Beach with palm trees, and it has Cape Town, Table Mountain. It's really cool. You'll see in a minute. I don't want to like, start stripping it. Cheers. Come on. That's not good. So, so here's, here's interesting, and here's part of how I want to tie into the message. Um, spirit, soul, body is what the Bible talks about, right? In Thessalonians, may your spirit, soul, and body be found blameless. So if you imagine it as like your spirit, your soul, your body, right? We all have an innate desire to be perfect. We all have an innate desire to be fully matured. It's a God-given desire. That's why Jesus said, be perfect as I am perfect, but he didn't expect you to go and perfect yourself. The gospel says you are perfect, now work out your perfection. We'll get to that in a minute. So, so here's the soul, here's my spirit, here's the body. I'm one, it's not three separate things. But the soul is this filter, right? And because the soul has been finding a sense of value and acceptance, righteousness means accepted, enough, you are enough, you are worthy. The soul has been finding that sense of value outside of the body in. So in, here's mommy and daddy's influence, good, necessary for a season. Here's friends and teachers. But see, with that came a lot of agenda. It wasn't perfect love. And the same way perfect love casts out all fear, which has to do with I'm not enough, that's the torment. I'm not enough. I'm lacking something. There's something wrong with me. The same way uh, perfect love casts out fear is the same way imperfect love breeds fear. So, so when I get my sense of value and significance from outside of myself, now you name it, my car, my money, my house, the Netflix shows that I'm actually currently binging on right now, I'm confessing, uh, the food I eat, the money I make, you name it. Every single thing that I go to, as a, that I habitually go to, to find a sense or a feeling of value and enoughness, it cultivates not enoughness. It's the psych, it's sin. This is sin. You're missing the mark. You don't find your enoughness outside of yourself. Every time you go outside of yourself, you are sinning. And then that leads to what we've blown up as sins, the smaller sin stuff, but it's a much bigger issue. Make sense? But here's the problem the Bible says that with sin comes death, shame. So it's this vicious cycle. So now it's like, I have to pay back this shame. So every time I feel ashamed, guess what I have to do? More of the thing to numb the shame. I have to eat more. I have to make more money. I have to pretend more. I have to drive a faster car. I have to. It's not about those things. Trust me, the church needs all of those things and then some. But it's about when I go outside to pretend when it's not real, does that make sense? So it's this vicious cycle. So the soul, in a sense, this filter is twisted. It's unrenewed. It doesn't reflect perfection. And so now you, you're born again. Um, you're born again. You are born of the Spirit. And now he's saying, here you are seated with me already. You're currently seated with him. This is a great mystery, but it's true. Whether you believe it or understand it or not, doesn't mean it's not true. So you're currently seated with him, and he wants you to realize that, first of all, he's not ashamed of the shame that you feel. Yes. 
in your body, which is a lot of revelation coming about the anatomy, the physiology of your body, your soul, the mental chaos. He wants you to understand that, no, no, you are not that and you are not that. And you no longer need all of that. Why? Because you and I are one. And my completion is your completion. So work out that completion through surrender, through silence, through willingness, through when you feel like, before I came up here, I don't feel nervous anymore. But I was feeling nervous. I was sitting there and my heart started racing and I'm just like, oh, and I can feel resistance. And I know enough now that what I resist will persist. So I understand now that I'm seated and I look at this nervousness and I, instead of resisting it and casting out some devil, I engage and I embrace it. Because I'm extending perfect love to that part of me that the Father wants to love so that I become whole. So that now as I become whole, everywhere I go, I shine. And everywhere I go, it becomes easier and easier to release this kingdom, which is the realm of love. It's the realm of perfect love. Everywhere I go now, it becomes natural. My senses are more attuned because I see the chaos. I see the madness. I feel the discouragement. I feel the nervous stuff. But I know who I am. Oh, I'm growing in the knowledge of God. And as a result, I'm growing in the knowledge of me. Isn't that amazing? So, so what happens is, you know, when the Bible says, um, uh, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. By the renewing of your soul, your mind, renew, change the pattern. Where are you finding your sense of significance and your sense of acceptance? Is it outside of yourself? Is it coming to church? Is it serving? Is it speaking? Is it giving? Because that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. (laughs) This is the tree of life. I'm one with him. The tree of life is in me, so to speak. And outside of me, this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says, he didn't say if you eat it. He said, if you touch it, you'll die. Don't even touch it. Meaning, don't give in to the temptation to perform for love, for acceptance. Instead, be here now. Don't judge. Surrender. Be yourself. Sit with it. Learn. Acknowledge it. You know what I mean when I say you can like literally see the thoughts when you just look at it and you can literally feel the feelings when you realize that you are not it? But you are the one that has to feel it and you are the one that has to, that's observing it, the thoughts. Does that make sense? Do this if you're with me. Cool. Halfway. Can you, uh, can you pull up um, Colossians uh, chapter 2, please? So check this out. And our own completeness is now found in him. So when you think completeness, think enough. I am enough. You know, my children will come and they'll say, Daddy, I'm scared. Or Daddy, I'm... And I'll say to them, you are not scared. You feel scared. There's a big difference. 
You might have to sit on that one, let it, let it simmer a little bit. Because the more I tell myself what I'm not, I'm going to think that I'm somebody I'm not. And that's subliminal messages for years that you ingrain in your subconscious mind, I am scared, will conflict with you are complete. And that's that internal war, that spirit against flesh that the Bible talks about. So we're trying our best now to say no. But here's the other thing. I don't want to cultivate denial. Because that's just as bad. It's probably worse. I'd rather somebody say they're scared than somebody pretend they're not. And that's where I think previous moves of God were limiting themselves. I'm sick. Don't say I'm sick. I have two days to live. Don't tell anybody. Because that's not faith. You have to hold that confession. You have to. It's, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's not healthy. And it leads to shame. And more shame. So the gospel is Jesus saying, Hey, I know that you are ashamed of you. And guess what? I'm not ashamed of your shame. So now let's, let's learn to walk together. Let me introduce you to yourself because you never knew who you are. And then as a result, you literally come into my likeness and you'll begin to release and manifest that with ease every single place you go, just like I did. This does require discipline. It does require consistency. He said, make every effort to rest, which is such a paradox, but... <laughs> So in other words, son, when you're feeling nervousness or whatever, make an effort. Not to perform, not to cast it out, not to pretend it's not there, but to sit down. Return to me. Sit, be, watch. It's not you. Embrace. Because to the degree that I embrace that part of me is the degree that I will sincerely embrace you. In fact, I'm not loving you if I'm not loving me in this way. In fact, this is what Paul meant when he said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. When you love yourself with an agenda, you're going to love your neighbor with an agenda. Uh huh. When you love yourself, only when you get it right, that's how you're going to love other people. When you love your spouse, only when she's nice. I mean, when you love yourself, only when you, when you do nice, you're going to love your spouse only when she does nice. That's, that came out better. And again, this breeds more shame, and it breeds more fear, and it, and it, and it solidifies this, this lie that I'm not enough. Isn't this beautiful? You know, like the gospel, it's so beautiful to me. God wants us all to prosper, even as your soul prospers. He wants you to have all the desires of your heart. He really does. I was dreaming about this car, and I triggered same way with the shirt. I woke up and I was like, the old programming because of this soul, this part that's being renewed, that's maturing. Uh, you are too much. That's too much, bro. Don't be wearing no shirt with your name on there, dude. That's too loud. I'm being vulnerable because vulnerability is a great teacher. But for like two, three days, I was like, nah, I gotta go get me a fresh shirt. No, but I thought you were gonna wear that shirt. You just, no, but that's too much, they're going to think you're prideful. And at times you get sucked into it, into this swirl. And at times either he catches you or you catch yourself. I'm not sure how it fully works, but you return to rest. No shame. I'm not ashamed that I got sucked into that. I'm not ashamed of the shame that I'm not 
perfect in my own strength. And I sit and I just watch the madness with love. But I have to take the action to reinforce that new reality to flow through my life. I can't just say that and not rock the tea. Does that make sense? Because that action solidifies that truth. It makes it more believable to me. You know, and I was thinking about it like, we would wear other people's tees with no problem, but why would we have a problem rocking your own t-shirt? Somebody told me, yeah, it's about quality. I was like, yeah, right, bro, come on. (laughs) Quality. That might be true, but it's about social status and acceptance. Now, the older people are like, this is not even a conversation for me. You know, I'm wearing the same shit I wore, like, for two years, some of you. Cool, you do you. There's a principle I'm trying to make on how silly it is. But there's also an opportunity, see, for me to engage in God's transforming work in me by taking a simple act like this and following the promptings of my heart. Does that make sense? Where it accelerates this transformation in my life. Does that make sense? So like right now, I'm a little bit more mature in my understanding of the fact that I'm fully matured. Why? Because I took this practical step. Does that make sense? Woo! Okay. Uh, Colossians 2. And our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. Isn't that amazing? So, so think about it. Here you go. Just turned 38 this year. It's a little thingy over there. I said to Ashley, I was like, babe, can you imagine if everybody starts rocking their own, their own merch? Like, how much more fulfilling and interesting would our days be? We wouldn't just pass by each other onto the next thing, onto the next thing, onto the next thing. It would be so much more grounded, so much more holistic, so much more real, so much more present. Oh, hey, Darren. You must be Darren, hey, unless you're wearing somebody else's shirt. Which, what's the problem with that? Let me celebrate you. Somebody said, well, so uh, I I was teasing. I was like, we're taking orders now, which we kind of are. And so they were like, so I'm going to wear like your shirt, you know? And I was like, but you wear Buff Daddy's shirt. Why can't you wear me? You're wearing Ralph and Calvin and, you know, what's wrong with us? (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, uh, he is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. You have the universe, and then there's God who created the universe. Just a quick plug there. So, so through him, through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. All of the guilt and power of sin, which is really the law, has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. Notice all of that past tense. All of that, everything I need pertaining to life and godliness has already been given to me. Everything. Go back to the previous verse quickly. Our completeness, my sense of enoughness is found in him. His fullness overflows within me until it is released through me as me. 
fascinating. This requires a rest. This requires surrender. And from this place of surrender comes inspiration on what to say, what action to take. Isn't that amazing? Now, pull up Colossians 1. Listen to this. Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and every person into the full understanding of truth. It doesn't say we preach so that the truth will be full. He's saying the truth exists. You are complete. But now let's mature in the understanding of it so that what already is can be. It, is, it has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor tireless. Did I finish the other part? 28? Did I? Okay. To labor tireless intensity and his power flowing through me to present every believer, this is beautiful, the revelation of being his perfect one in Christ Jesus. So this morning, I'm trying to relate to you, hey, I want to unveil the revelation that you are perfect, that you are enough. And as I do that, most of you in this room are or should be triggering. You are not the thing that's triggering. And the reason why you would resist and fight that is because you believe that you are that thing that's triggering. But you have an opportunity now because you've been faced with truth, the reality, and you can feel it. To understand that, oh, wow, this is that part of me that's being renewed. First of all, I'm not ashamed of that. Second of all, I'm not going to judge this lovely man just doing his best up on the stage or myself in this moment. I'm going to surrender and I'm going to let the trauma that's stuck in my body because of unresolved pain to be resolved, to be healed, to be made whole. Because this is corruption. This inside, outside in leads to corruption. And that corruption needs to be made straight. To equip the saints, it's like a bone that's out of place, the word equip, and you have to put that bone back into place. And that's just what needs to happen. Your body. You've been, you were saying this to me one time. Uh, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body. And you were saying, most people don't live with me in their body. Most people live in their head. Old covenant. Arrgh. Denial. Arrgh. He's here now. The kingdom's here now. I was looking at a picture of my baby and I felt this pleasure. That's the kingdom. That's the presence of God. Isn't that amazing? Okay, last verse. And here's a really cool practical uh, thing for you, uh, uh, Romans. Yeah. Okay, so. Practically. Another way to walk this out, this, what that already is. It says, for by his sacrifice, he died to sin's power once and for all. Okay, now let me stop there. Sin's power is the law in this context, okay? The law, how it applies to us, is anything that you have to do or think you have to do outside of yourself to make you feel better about yourself, habitually. Does that make sense? That's a law to you and that's a law to me where it is dependent on you to find fulfillment outside of yourself habitually. I'm not saying stop playing soccer or stop watching TV. I hope you know what I am trying to communicate. Does that make sense? The codependency, that's a law. The codependent relationships we have, that's a law. So 
the problem with, with this law is that now you have said to yourself, I'm responsible to start it and to maintain it and to finish it. And you just can't do that. And that's why you have outbursts of anger, jealousy, just irrational things that we just, just do because of the limitation of this. So it says that he died to sin's power, meaning he does not need the law to perfect him. He completed the law. He fulfilled the law. He is my completeness. Everything that I think I need, again, to be fulfilled or feel fulfilled has already been done in Christ. But he now lives continuously for the Father's pleasure. So let it be the same way with you. Since you are now joined to him, you are joined to him. Does it feel like you're joined to him right now? Be honest with me. Most of you should say no, and that's okay. Right now, I don't feel like I'm joined to him. I'm trying to say that a lot of times, you won't feel like you're joined to him. That's the humility of the surrender, though. Does that make sense? <laughs> so, and that's okay if you don't feel that. But it's real. It's true. Uh, since you're now joined to him, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with yes. Christ. Wow. Let me break it down to you really quick. The word uh, to continually view yourself, it says consider yourself or reckon yourself as dead to sin, right? That word basically means draw the, you, you are trying to understand what I'm saying. You are trying to see, I, I feel nervous and so I must be nervous but then what's wrong with me and all that stuff. You are logizomying. Uh, you, you are trying to irrationalize and trying to be logical. He's saying, I understand that that's going on in your head and in your body. But he's saying, Come to a conclusion. Come to a conclusion that it's none of those things anymore. It's as if you are dead to those things that you thought you once knew to be your fine self. When Paul said, it's no longer I who live, it's not like the old self is like literally, I don't think so at least, like literally done, dead, gone. Because why do we still feel certain negative feelings why do we still right so what i think paul meant when he said it's no longer i who live but christ who lives through me um, he was saying it's as though that i that small i is dead it's as though it's dead i don't relate to that anymore for my sense of confidence does that make sense for my sense of self i don't even relate to that it's dead to me and i'm resting and i'm surrendering so every time the mind, oh, I'm bad, or God's not going to come through, or how am I going to get through this one, or all of these things. Don't resist. Don't, the new, the new uh, feel through is the new press through. Don't resist. Be there, but draw the conclusion. Wow. <laughs> I am, that thing has no more, I'm not obligated to smile at you when I don't want to smile. I'm not obligated to talk to you when I don't feel like talking to you. Because it doesn't matter what you think about me. Why? Because I'm enough. Because he's enough. I'm not saying be mean and stop smiling at people. It's just a little example I'm thinking about. In fact, some of you need to stop smiling at people maybe. (laughs) 
serious. Feel it. You see how it feels. We, you, just, we, you, you know you don't want to smile sometimes. You don't even want to say hello. But we do these little things because it's all part of this, this pattern, this old covenant outside in. Does that make sense? All right, stand up. So I know I said a lot this morning. Here's one thing I want you to just think about. Surrender and start practicing silence. Seriously. Silence is so profound because silence has no agenda. Except for, here I am. and, And what it looks like is I'm coming to sit down with my father. And I'm coming to be. And I trust that whatever I'm supposed to say, sing, or do will be inspired and I'll be led by the Holy Spirit and with it will come transformation to unwind what was crooked and corrupt. And then I will take the um, inspired or necessary action for my day, for my week, for my month. And that came from this place of silence. But what you'll find is that in that silence you're going to be brutally aware of, of the programming, the chaos, the, that, that voice. You are not that voice. It's not you. And the more you cultivate this, the more you mature in this, it gets so deep and so beautiful that you really, really start to extend compassion to yourself. You really, really start to extend love to yourself. And you notice then once that happens where you find yourself not smiling fake smiles anymore. Or you find yourself just being with no sense of guilt, (laughs) with no sense of shame. And this, my family, is what glorifies God. And that's how Jesus could go and just simply say, stretch out your hand, be healed. Because he was so convinced in who he was. He was so, he had such understanding on his union with Father. And now he's saying, Darren, I'm your big brother. Amanda, I'm your big brother. Go do your thing. As if it was me out there doing my thing. So when you go out here today, just imagine that you're Jesus walking out here today. Right? And see what starts to happen. Do that every day. And what will be happen? You'll start to believe it. And when you start to believe it, you'll start to get words of knowledge. You'll start to get creative ideas. You'll start to get insight into this. You'll start to, oh my God, you'll start to know yourself. This is true worship from this place. This is worshiping God. Amen. Put your hand on your heart. Just say, Father, I don't fully understand what this man is talking about. (laughs) But there's something about what he's saying. I feel it. I feel it. Don't look at me, Clay. You're making me feel nervous. I feel it. I feel it in me. And I agree. I say it is so. I am the light of the world. I will shine. Just like you shined. I am enough. Because you enough. I am complete. Because you are complete. Hey, thank you so much for coming. God bless you guys. Oh, you want to say something?
awesome. Amazing. Hey, I, I, don't, I don't want us to just dismiss right away. Real quick, if you, if, if you can stay for a few minutes, because I feel like there's some people in the room that, as always, every Sunday, that it's important for us to respond, to take that step of action, you know, that Grant was talking about, like, wow, that was really cool thought, like all this brokenness over here that we live in, we don't even realize we do, and yet there's this possibility of total, like, wholeness and freedom over here. And I want to explain something. Christ bridged that gap. Yes. And it's important for us to understand, like, why did a man have to die on a cross? Why did he have to shed his innocent blood? I mean, he never did anything wrong, actually, in his obedience because of this process that he walked out perfectly of coming to know the Father and then coming through that to understand who he actually was and be infirmed in his identity. He had to reconcile and bring redemption to the brokenness so that we could get to here. Because there was this chasm, right? There was this massive chasm of chaos keep us keeping us from being able to cross over into what we were actually supposed to live in that we were meant to live in from the time we were born so blood was shed perfect blood sacrificial blood to reconcile all things to redeem all things you know what redeem means it means to buy back we were we were sold out if you will by the enemy of our souls. God's like, no, I'm going to send my son. I'm going to come and manifest the essence of who I am through him in the world to get you back to me because I love you because you're my created one. You're my son. You're my daughter. Before we go on our vacation, wow, what would it look like if today we could just give thanks for what Jesus did? To live this example, to die, to lay his life down for his friends. Could you close your eyes with me for just a minute, like just to reflect on that? I remember when I was growing up as a kid and I just couldn't connect with God and maybe Christmas, maybe Easter I'd go to Catholic Mass and I would see this broken Jesus on a cross and honestly the imagery of it just put more fear in me because I never understood that he wasn't left there in that place that he rose again that he overcame all adversity all challenge all abuse all torment all physical affliction He took on death, hell, and the grave. Think of all the brokenness in the world from start till now. And he took it all upon himself. Come on, someone needs to hear this. And in that place of death that Grant described this morning, that that took him six feet. Today it would be six feet under. For them it was into a tomb. And he... On the third day, the resurrection power of God came over his body and raised him up out of that grave. 
And he didn't just stop there. He came and appeared to all of his followers and to many others. And they were astonished where they were once in fear. And they're like, my goodness, look at this one who overcame all things. Some people in this room today, you have been struggling and battling through things in life. There have been things that have gone down. And man, you're, you're, you're in that brokenness. So you're trying to accommodate on that one side, like Grant was saying, living in all these other things. And God wants to get to you to the other side where you can just sit with him. When he's talking about reigning with Christ, he's talking about reigning with him in that resurrection in that power to overcome the death that was over your life. Lord, we celebrate life this morning. We celebrate the power of the resurrection. We thank you that even in this season, as we enter into Christmas, into Advent, that you came to the earth, that you just didn't sit in some heavenly realm disconnected from our pain and from our brokenness and from our issues that we've walked through in life that maybe many of us have just kept to ourselves because we're so ashamed of it. Lord, pour out your power over us today to come into this beautiful thing called the gospel, the good news. That adjusts the way we think that adjusts then from there the way we actually behave so that we can enter into the perfection of what you modeled for us, Lord. Can we have our our ministry teams come? We're just going to close. You're free to dismiss and go get your kids. But if you could, let's just keep it, let's just keep a, a, a space in here for people that may need some prayer, may need someone just to stand with them. Let's not leave this room today until we get that. Come, Jesus, come.